Welcome to GRC Spotlight, your go-to source for all things governance, risk, and compliance. On this podcast, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in GRC and bring you interviews with industry experts and thought leaders. Whether you're a compliance professional, a risk manager, or just someone who wants to stay informed about the latest developments in GRC, this is the podcast for you. So tune in and join the conversation as we shine a spotlight on the world of GRC. Hello, my name is Daniel Amodio and welcome to GRC Spotlight. In today's episode, we will be discussing all things HR, from probation to performance management. We'll be joined by two experts in the field, Zane Edwards, the Global Director of GRC at Torque Software, and Rachel Latin, Head of Human Resources at the Australian Institute of Family Studies. Zane brings over 20 years of experience in global governance, risk management, and compliance in both the private and public sectors. Rachel, on the other hand, has a deep understanding of HR and people management, having helped to shape the culture of AFES and a variety of other organizations throughout her expansive HR career. In this episode, Zane and Rachel will be imparting their insights and expertise on the significance of HR. Together, they'll discuss the key factors that HR professionals should consider when evaluating employee performance during probation, the importance of goal setting and regular meeting rhythms, as well as sharing some insightful stories from their experience uh, in human resources and in people management. So whether you're an HR professional looking to improve your probationary process or a manager trying to support your new employees, this episode is not to be missed. So let's dive right in and kick things off with Zane Edwards. Zane, welcome back and thanks again for joining us today. Hey Dan, great to be back with you and uh, excited to be talking about our topic today. That's right. We've got a very exciting one. Before we get too far into that, let me just reintroduce you. For those that missed the last episode, Zane Edwards is the Global Director for GRC at Torque Software. Zane has a vast experience in uh, in the professional world, in both the private sector and in the APS, where he spent um, nearly 20 years working with one of the largest Australian government agencies within the CFO division. So for today's topic, which happens to be people management, Zane has a long and list of experiences and expertise that I hope he is fully ready to share with us today. Absolutely, Dan, ready to go. Let's start at the beginning then. So where does the process of people management begin? So it really begins where the recruitment process finishes, and that's uh, with probation. So you're welcoming this person into your organisation, and it's kind of that get-to-know you know phase, get-to-know-you. Uh, and that's a, it's a two-way street, so it's not just about uh, you getting to know your new employee, it's about your new employee getting to know you as well. Um, so tell us a little bit about when, when an employer is crafting that, uh, that probation process, what are some of the things that they um, need to keep in mind? Well, I think it's really important to keep in mind why you have a probation process. And look, Dan, it's really, really important because if you get 
a, an employee who's not a great fit for the job or there's other issues that are ultimately going to affect their performance, that can be really, really costly in so many ways. And I'm not, not just talking dollars, it can be costly in so many ways for an organisation. So some of the things that you'd be thinking about in terms of the why for probation would be an opportunity to assess the job fit. So you've, you've seen a CV, you presumably had an interview, you might have got some referee reports, but it's really on the job that uh, both the employee and the employer are really going to be able to assess if this is, uh, if this is the job for that person. It's also a, a really important time for setting those expectations around the role. So what, what is the employer expecting of the employee in terms of their performance in the role? And also, what expectation does the employee bring to their, to their job in terms of not only the job, but all of the things that, uh, that go around an employee, you know, their personal situation, where they have other responsibilities, you know, for example, caring, you know, the sort of time structure that they want to have in place for, for being working, where they want to work, that's a new thing post-COVID, you know, do they want to be in the office, do they want to be at home or a combination of both, so that's a time really to get those uh, expectations clarified. And also, it's, a to- it's an opportunity to identify potential areas for growth and improvement. No prospective or new employee is going to be a perfect fit. And, uh, you know, we spend our entire career improving ourselves and, and growing. So this is a time for both employee and employer to identify those areas where growth is going to be needed for the effective performance of this role. That's great. It's easy to think of the probation period as a one-way street, as an evaluation process from the employer of the employee, but it's interesting to hear you talk about it as a two-way street because you also want to make sure that there's a strong fit for the employee within the organization and it can be looked at as a, as a bit of an evaluation period for them as well because I would imagine at the end of the period, you want to make sure that the employee is also comfortable and wants to stay there long-term um, because there can also be some, uh, some uh, damaging effects of having an employee staying when they uh, may want to be somewhere else. Oh, look, absolutely, Dan. Look, there's a whole lot of different ways that that can potentially have an impact. So, for example, think about the cost of actually changing an employee. So if you've got an employee that moves on, you need to recruit someone else. There's a there's a cost to that process, not only again in dollars, but in lost productivity productivity. And uh, that can be, in some cases, research is showing that can be really close to the the, uh, the value of the annual, annual salary of the employee, just in terms of the, the changeover costs. There's a, there's a real cost to the organisation if employees are continually uh, turning over. So it's in the interests of both the employer and the employee to make sure that it's a good fit and that it's going to work. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's going to be downhill. Okay, so um, how long is a general probation period? Well, it can vary, but typically it's six months. Uh, so that gives a good opportunity for both parties to, you know, kind of uh, see how it's going to work. So that would be kind of an average period. But there's, there's nothing set in stone. It can be whatever the two parties agree on. Okay, so six months pass, the employee and the employer, um, they go out for a celebratory coffee to, uh, to celebrate the end of the probation period, um, and it's officially completed. Um, what happens next? 
So if the employee isn't terminated, and look, obviously that's sort of a you know the the the, the most drastic outcome, then they roll on to, to the performance management component of that. Now. Dan, um, just a little uh, anecdote which uh, came to my attention recently. Uh, a prospective, well, a new employee had was just reaching the end of their probation period and their supervisor had decided that it wasn't going to be in the best interest of either party for the employment arrangement to continue. So they actually came to that meeting with a letter in an envelope terminating the employment arrangement. During the meeting, the supervisor decided, hey, I want to give this person another chance to prove themselves. So they rolled on beyond the probation period. Within the next couple of weeks, the employee uh, engaged in some fraudulent behaviour and faked an, um, an, an event which they alleged they got an injury from and then filed a compensation claim for permanent disability. So that's probably a really extreme example of what can go wrong, but you know, getting that decision right is really, really important. But hey, back, back to your question then, where do we go from here? We then move from probation into the performance management process. So this is the ongoing management of the performance of that employee in their role. Great. And uh, what's best practice for... Um, creating that uh, performance management structure from the employer standpoint. Um, what are some of the keys that they're looking for? Um, and I guess overall, what's the importance and what's what's to be gained uh, from an effective uh, performance management program? So again, starting with the why is is a really really important thing to do. So what why are we doing this? So it's all about optimizing the performance of the employee, you know, in the context of their role. So. One of the key things here from, from my perspective and when I'm looking what organisations do, often managers are really, really busy. And so perform, performance managing uh, their employees may be well down their list of priorities. So often in the worst case scenario, it comes back to just a, you know, a, a six monthly uh, review before an annual review. So there's nothing happening in between. So in an ideal world, we would view performance management as an ongoing activity. And there's a few things we need to be doing to make sure it's really effective. Number one, we need to make sure the expectations are clear. So what does good performance look like? Equally, what does um, inadequate performance look like? So we need to have that in writing and both parties need to, uh, need to agree on that. Uh, the next thing we need to be doing is having regular check-ins. So six monthly is not enough. If you're if you're managing an employee, you need to be interacting with with them both formally and informally on a regular basis. So you should be having regular check-ins around it, and uh, you should be providing constructive feedback throughout the performance cycle. So in other words, if you get to a formal review and only then you're providing that um, that feedback, that potentially could be a real surprise to the employee and the question they might be validly asking themselves, why is this the first time I've heard about this? So providing that constructive feedback through the cycle is really important. I think being realistic is really important too. You know, um, people are not super Superman or, you know, Wonder Woman, um, you know, you've got to be realistic in the expectations and, uh, and continually discussing those. 
From a practical point of view, documenting everything is going to be really, really important because uh, if things do, you know, go south, then you're going to want to have all of the information in um, in writing. But above all, I think, you know, you've got to be fair and consistent. So treating your employees equally and working with them in a constructive and positive way because, hey, at the end of the day, it's in all parties' best interest to make sure this works. Now... I would imagine everyone's a little bit different in the way that they both like to manage and be managed. Um, But you mentioned ongoing feedback, both formal and informal. Um, Everyone is used to their, oh, it's time for my my quarterly review. I'm going to go in with my prepared information and, and go through the prepared documentation. But that informal side of things can be very important um, because it may happen at settings that are less Normally, maybe out to coffee, maybe in the middle of a project was a good opportunity to deliver feedback. How does that informal feedback work in relation to an employer's obligation to document everything um, and keep track of it all? Does that count as an official performance review when you just provide someone some informal feedback? So it's all important. So the both the informal and the formal contacts are, are both important. The critical thing here is that you document them. So if we're having a a chat and you share something with me uh, that I think is important, then I I should be documenting that uh, because that's going to be relevant, you know, not only now in terms of, uh, you know, what we're doing, what we're agreeing to doing, but also in the future as we, you know, get into a more formal setting, that, that information is really, really valuable. Now, one of the big challenges for managers is the, the sheer volume of work around uh, around staff, and uh, you know, as a person who manages managed staff for many many years, uh, often these HR issues, well, I shouldn't say issues, HR matters, this important administration around HR things, can take sometimes you know a third of your time. So it's a really really big chunk of your time. So having mechanisms to make that process as simple as possible is really important. So there's some great HR systems out there to, you know, to support those processes, which make that documenting, recalling information, reporting, consolidating, and uh, you know, getting the workflows and the sign-off uh, can make life a whole lot easier. Um, I would imagine that also a system like that can help to um, make the program consistent overall because, as we mentioned earlier, different employees will have very different priorities uh, when it comes to feedback and review. Uh, If you look at my driver's license, for instance, I would be called a millennial, and I know us millennials um, are uh, very um, open when it comes to our desire for feedback, whereas someone with a different age profile or someone with just a different personality profile, regardless of their age, they may be less interested um, in that. So the time that an employer would spend managing those various employees can change. But what you're talking about is a system that flattens that to the point where all employees, regardless of the time you spent in, they have a fair and um, kind of equal review process. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, irrespective of how you deliver your performance management program, whether it's completely manually, paper-based, or whether you're doing it via a system. It's about delivering your, your, you know, your HR performance management framework. So whatever you do, those processes have got to reflect the, the core minimum elements that are required by your framework. 
And certainly coming, uh, you know, having worked most recently in the public sector, uh, you know, perspective, uh, that's going to mean as a bare minimum, uh, twice yearly reviews. They're going to be in writing. There's going to be a contribution by the employer. There's going to be a contribution by the employee. There's going to be a rating. So these are some of the core elements that will be delivered. Uh, irrespective of the desire of both parties, perhaps, for further engagement. And that further engagement can be provided. It's important that there is capacity to provide that where it's desired, because that'll be valued. Because if you're wanting more uh, feedback from your boss or you're wanting you know, more um, consultation or discussion, that's just going to improve the relationship, build that trust, and uh, generally contribute to a more positive employment relationship. That's great. Um, so once that information is captured, the performance management um, process goes throughout, let's say, in the course of a given year, all the information is collected and put into the system. What then happens next? What information then needs to flow up um, to the, let's just say, manager's manager uh, up to the top level? And if you're sitting in one of those um, C-level chairs, what is the information from a reporting standpoint that you're most interested in reviewing? And what are you looking for as a potential flag that might require some more involvement on your uh, plate? Well, if I'm sitting at the C, you know, C-suite level, I'm going to want to have a broad overview of what's happening in respect of uh, staff in my area of interest. So I'm going to want to know at the headline level whether the performance of each staff member is adequate or not. And certainly in the, the public se sector, uh, they talk about uh, you know being fully effective. So is this person fully effective or not? Now, if not, I need to understand what measures have been taken to address those performance issues. So those, uh, those can be managed, obviously, and there are processes in place uh, for managing performance issues. But I need to know uh, if that is occurring and that it, it is taking place, and then um, you know regular status updates on the outcomes of those processes. So, at the very least, I'm going to need that information, and a good system will be able to deliver that with literally one click of a button. So we assume now that the performance management process has been going extremely well, um, and we talked last time a little bit about how life is different from. Uh, the beginning of your career towards, um, I'm not going to say you're at the end of your career now because you've got plenty of good years ahead of you. But um, after spending, say, 20 plus years working in this uh, world, how would you say things are different now compared to when you started, let's just say started within the, the APS when it comes to um, probation and people management overall? That That's a great question, Dan, and I'm reflecting back prior to that on my time in the private sector because I've seen an evolution now across almost 40 years. And I think that the trend that I've observed and probably am still observing, to be fair, is that there's a move to greater structure and more formal frameworks around the processes. I mean, as managers, and look, you know, I've literally been managing staff for 40 years so as managers, you know, there's always an implicit understanding that it's important to manage your, uh, your staff. But by bringing some structure, putting a framework around that, 
and some formal systems in place, that, that really adds value to that and it ensures that consistency because, again, you know, your HR matters if you've got other business priorities. They may not be always at the top of your, uh, you know, top of your list on a given day or a given week. So having these more structured processes and frameworks supporting ensured that this really important stuff still gets done. So I think what we're seeing today is a more consistent approach and I think the other side of that has been the, um, the environment, the litigious environment that we're in. I suspect that today um, there's more claims than ever before uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's becoming more common for uh, interactions between an employer and employee where they break down to end up you know, in, a, um, in an external environment where you've got external people either mediating or making determinations uh, or decisions about, uh, about claims or issues that might have arisen. So that environment also creates a need for more rigour around the way we manage these processes. That's also interesting to hear. So technology is playing an increasing role in all of these discussions. People are working from home much more often. Is it appropriate to have uh, a regular performance management conversation or performance review over Zoom or Microsoft Teams or, or via email? Or, or is, how does technology, let me ask it a different way, how does technology impact this performance management discussion, which is so often an interpersonal um, issue between two people? Yeah, look, that, that's a really great question. And I suspect, Dan, had you asked me this question pre-COVID, I think my answer might have been slightly different. I think what the, the COVID experience has done for us, one of the things it's done for us, it's approved, it's proved that we can actually effectively use different mechanisms to communicate. Now, I'm, I'm a bit old school. I'm a great believer in those face-to-face -face interactions. And uh, historically, where, where I could, where, where I had important, uh, you know, issues to discuss or, or matters to discuss with people, I would always try and do that face-to-face. -face. You know, what COVID did was really prove that we could effectively use these other technologically-based solutions to do communication really effectively. So I would say you wouldn't want to be doing performance management by email because that is too impersonal. I mean, there's other elements of, uh, of communication that are really important, like, you know, the tone of voice, the, you know, the facial expressions, you know, the, the body language and all of that thing, which you don't get, you know, in an email or in a letter or something else. But, you know, we can get that through Zoom, through Teams or whatever your preferred tool is. We, we can get that experience. So I think it's provided a really great opportunity to make these processes even more efficient so we're not relying on actually having to get two people literally in the same physical location. We can still communicate effectively via other mechanisms. Well, Zane Edwards, I feel lucky to be able to be in the same location as you today uh, having this conversation. Um, and I wanted to thank you again for joining us um, and also give you an opportunity to plug. You've got a blog post on this topic that came out recently. Yeah, where's the best place to find that? Well, you can either access that via the Talk Software website or you can go to my LinkedIn profile and you'll get it either way in addition to some great background reading about your long and successful career. Uh, <laughs> thank you again, Zane, and we will be right back.
Are you tired of managing your organization's probation and performance management process across multiple spreadsheets and printed documents? Are you looking for an efficient and effective way to streamline your HR processes? Well, look no further than Lighthouse. Lighthouse is the premier governance, risk, and compliance software solution. With its cloud-based technology, Lighthouse streamlines the process of managing HR, probation, and performance management for organizations of all sizes. Gone are the days of manually tracking employee data and staff reminders. Lighthouse's user-friendly interface allows key stakeholders and managers to easily manage HR controls, track probation periods, and monitor employee performance all in one centralized location. With live dashboards and scheduled reporting, Lighthouse gives you real-time insight into your employees, allowing you to quickly identify and address any HR needs. Don't let managing HR, probation, and performance management be a headache any longer. Visit www.torque.software to schedule a free demo of Lighthouse and see for yourself how it can help your organization streamline its HR processes. That again, www.torque.software. Torque.software. Welcome back, everyone, to GRC Spotlight. We are very pleased to have a special guest joining us today. Uh, please allow me to introduce Rachel Latin. Rachel is the head of human resources at the Australian Institute of Family Studies. Rachel, how are you today? Yeah, I'm really well. Thanks, Dan. Well, thank you for joining us. We are very excited for, for the conversation. And let's start off kind of where we are now. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your role there at uh, at AFES? Yeah, so... I'm uh, currently working as the head of human resources at AFES. It's a relatively small research institute, around about 90 employees. And so my team, we're responsible for a whole gamut of um, HR functions. And we do that, I think, fairly well, given there's five of us in the team. Um, And we administer the pay, we administer and look after recruitment, performance management, the culture, and a whole lot of other things. And look, it's a it's a great pl- place to work. I've um, been there for about just over twelve months, and thoroughly love working there. It's great. It sounds like there's a lot of work for a small team, so that should make yeah. for a fun conversation. To so, tell us a little <laughs> bit about your background prior to um, prior to your existing role. Yeah. So, well, what feels like. 400 years ago, but I was a uh, high school science teacher um, many, many years ago, but then joined the public service uh, back in 1999. So it's over 20 years. And I started in the child support agency and was on the front line, so answering calls, um, helping to administer that child support payments between separated parents. Um, Then had a bit of maternity leave for a while. And then since uh, probably about 2007, I've been working in HR um, across 
the Child Support Agency and then in Department of Human Services and then when it combined into um, Services Australia. And part of that I've been involved in a number of projects and along the way and recently prior to returning, prior to coming over to ACE, I had a stint in the learning and development team. It's called People Capability and that was um, something new, another, I guess, um, experience around in the people space and we looked at a whole range of things. But one of the really great things that we worked on was a really interactive people fundamentals program, which is probably something I'm most proud of. That's great. Thank you for uh, thank you for sharing all of that. The um, I've got just a whole list of questions here, and most of them relate to like what how it's different to manage professionals as it is to manage high school science students. So this is just <laughs> going to be so perfect. Um, just kidding, obviously. The um, I th- would like to go back a little bit. Um, so you're in you're in the big chair now. You're overseeing this uh, this organization. Uh, within your within your current organization. I want to just track back a little bit to earlier in your career when you may have been um, an employee um, within within an organization because today we're talking about performance management. So I wanted you to uh, think back to an experience you may have had when you were in that chair and um, as part of the performance management process uh, from that side. Are there any, anything that you can remember from, um, from, that, uh, from those experiences that helped to shape um, your current role? It's interesting you say that. And I, I hadn't been cognizant of my earlier experiences and how it's impacted on how I approach performance management as an HR professional. When I reflected on it, I, I remembered my first experience and I think it was probably one of my best experiences as performance management. And I think about when I asked myself, why is that? I I didn't really know. I was it, I was in a performance management process and I came to realise that that's because it was undertaken with me rather than being done to me, which I think is sometimes a bit of a problem with performance management. And I think bringing the person along is really an effective part of performance management. And so... You know, it was a genuine collaboration with my manager and she was really um, just really committed to um, professional development and it was it was my first role in the APS and she and I were really committed to me having development opportunities and sometimes in, uh, over the years with performance management, we put down in the best with the best of intentions, you know, performance uh, development opportunities, and you know, we never pursue them or they never get done. But that is a really key thing for me on my best, I guess, and 
one of my first experiences with performance management is that there was a real collaboration and a real commitment to my ongoing professional development. And I guess it's something, you know, I will just always be really grateful for, for that manager committing to that. That's great. Um, it really makes it sound like a like a two way street when it's probably yeah. easy to fall into that experience yep. of oh well this is now me telling you what you've done well and yeah. can it, can improve on. Yep. So that yep. concept of collaboration have you um, have you brought that along with you into your uh, current current role as you're putting together your priorities for uh, for your organization's performance management process. Yeah, I, and I probably hadn't been um, so ha- had it front and centre until I've been reflecting on on what I've just said to you, and like when I think about what our um, priorities are, a big part of it is uh, having genuine quality conversations between managers and staff, um, and really. Um, trying to encourage those quality conversations on a regular basis rather than, you know, at the beginning of the cycle, at the end of the cycle and midway through. So it's the the frequency. I guess another of our priority is identifying development opportunities and ensuring we make the time and space for our staff to pursue that. And one of the one of the things we've introduced here is we've centralised our learning and development budget, and what we do now each performance cycle is HR conducts an analysis of the institute wide development needs, and then we put in place a um, twelve months. AFE's wide development program and that's so that we can capture all the development needs and ensure we've got a plan in place to address as many of those as possible. That's great. Um, You mentioned something that I thought was very interesting which was um, the frequency for these conversations. Mm. Um, I would imagine some of them are formal um, interactions or discussions, and some of them can be maybe less formal. Mm. Um, Mm. How do those play together um, in in your role of ensuring sort of an effective process that includes both formal and informal, but is also something that I would imagine needs to be documented in a pretty serious way and and recorded in a serious way? How does does that informal and formal process uh, play together? Yeah, it, and it's really tricky. And what we um, what we try and when we um, we have a number of masterclasses that we run for our managers a- around this, and what we try and um, really embed is the value of that feedback and the documented formal part of it, and even just sort of demonstrating how that's done is is sometimes fairly critical but the the informal part is what we're trying to I guess embed in our leaders is 
trying to make it part of everyday life, everyday interactions. And, you know, and we, we're giving them examples and masterclasses on how what specific feedback looks like, what timely feedback looks like, and how you can embed it into everyday communications like your emails and like your, you know, through Teams messaging. And I often share a, a bit of a story about a previous manager of mine whose feedback would be an email and it would say, your awesome is showing, <laughs> which sounds great, <laughs> which sounds wonderful. But it, it really... I think it's a little bit of a cop-out as a manager. I think what our role as managers are when we are giving that type of feedback is to just be really um, specific and, you know, trying to link it to um, what might be, you know, work-level standards or job descriptions. And I guess that's what we try and embed in our managers is really how to make that feedback really meaningful. And, and make it frequent because, you know, having a younger workforce as well who are, who are so used to having information and um, feedback through, you know, their phones at their fingertips, it's just it's just not good practice to have to wait, you know, almost six months for that, you know, that workforce to receive feedback. So that's what we're trying to do as well is kind of shift according to what our demographic is. Yeah, sure. So the process is always evolving, it sounds like. Mm, and mm. Um, It's always great to uh, receive an email um, saying that your, your awesome is showing. And that's an excellent thing to receive. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned how you're including a lot of your um, embedding some of the feedback um, in things like email. But in today's world, in 2023, um, we're doing so much communication uh, via email or via Microsoft Teams or other uh, video meetings. Now, how do you balance that with some conversations that maybe traditionally have been done sort of by rule in person? It's a good question. And I guess I would say I don't think it's ideal. Um and because, as you know, you know, there's so much you potentially miss over a team's conversation, so many of those cues that uh, are kind of diluted, I think, to some extent when you are over teams. But in saying that, for some um, remote working or for particularly with the rise of flexible working, that's unavoidable at times, um, you know, and especially if you have outposted staff who aren't working in the office. So I guess um, whilst it's not ideal, we it, it happens and it has to happen just purely because of the nature of the, of the evolving workforce, I guess. And I guess some of the... Um, some of the challenges um, which I've just mentioned and we try to, I guess, work with our managers to deal with those non-face-to-face meetings um, and some of the strategies, I guess, are 
Um, I'm just I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to think of the specific example, but it was a complete disaster. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually it was a really difficult conversation, and and the manager, you know, they weren't able to pick up the cues, and so it was it was actually it it didn't it didn't have the outcome that we were ho- hoping, and the parties went away. One of them went away feeling that it went fine, and then the other um, party went away feeling that it was. Um, not fine, not a successful meeting. And I think that highlights how difficult it is to have those conversations um, over teams. So, you know, we try to avoid it, I guess, but um, I think it just needs a greater level of sensitivity, a a greater level of... um, awareness about how the other person's reacting and then probably a lot more checking in as yeah. to how how the conversation's going um, than you would normally do in a regular face-to-face conversation. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's definitely an interesting time. Um, I wanted to ask you also, um, you mentioned earlier that um, you have a, a relatively small team doing um, a big amount uh, of work and you oversee your entire organization um, when it comes to your individual managers doing the performance management reviews and things. From your situation, what information um, or what data or or what reporting um, are you most interested in reviewing? Are you, uh, you feel like you most need to see and what information specifically would you be uh, looking out for? Um, when you're looking, when you're trying to oversee the the, the health in uh, throughout the organization on this topic, mm, yeah. So we really want to see completion rates. So we want to see that, and and that's also part of our in line with our enterprise agreement, I guess. Um, Dan is that everybody must have a current, up to date performance manage. We call it performance. Um, development review. Everyone must have a current one of those. So we're looking to see um, completion rates. We're also interested to see frequency of meeting. Um, We've recently moved to an automated system for our performance management and we're encouraging we're hoping it's a one-stop shop to uh, record all the data. So we're hoping to see that there's some regular communication undertaken. We're definitely interested in gathering the data um, for the learning and development and so that we can then um, put together the 12-month learning and development plan. That's that's probably something is the real priority is that learning and development data. Um, And then the other thing which I'm interested in is that managers and staff are are talking about business goals goals that are meaningful to the staff. Um, And what what I mean by that is... 
often in those conversations, managers input really high-level strategic goals, which staff sometimes can't connect with. And I'm looking to see that those business goals are operationalised in a way that the staff member can understand what it means for them. That's great. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, my next question, just at the end here, um, is going to require a little bit of um, time travel. So, yeah. <laughs> um, as we look forward, say twenty years, uh, twenty five years, thirty years, and and we're both um, sitting down having a, having a coffee talking about how great we were um, during our careers <laughs> and someone is sitting in uh, in your chair doing the doing the job that you're doing now how do you think things are going to be different for that person we touched a little bit on some of the technological changes that uh, that we've seen recently but how do you see um, that person's uh, life and uh, and responsibilities being different uh, from how they are now yeah um and just a tiny little side note, I hope it's a pina colada rather than a coffee. Um, <laughs> That's a deal. That's a deal. Um, you know what? It, it's, it's really interesting to think about, you know, in 20 years' time and I have no doubt that, you know, we'll be better able to utilise data and there'll probably also be some kind of artificial intelligence, you know, identifying when people are doing things very well and when there's areas that they need to improve on. But I really hope one thing that we've conquered is that we do performance management well. And throughout all my years and all my research, it's a common theme in many, many workplaces that we haven't exactly nailed performance management. So I'm hoping in 20 years' time that, you know, everyone everywhere does performance management beautifully. Um, But I think, though, what I really hope still exists is the the human connection and I hope we're by then we're having everyone brilliantly meaningful performance conversations where we can hand on heart know that our staff are reaching their full potential because finally finally we we will have unlocked the door to effective performance management fingers crossed (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah, indeed. Well, Rachel Latin, I must say your awesome was definitely showing during this conversation. (laughs) And I wanted to thank you so much for spending some time and sharing your expertise and your experience with us today. Thank you so much, Dan. And it's a topic that's very close to my heart. So I'm more than happy to talk about performance management. Thank you so much. And that wraps up today's episode of GRC Spotlight. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.